Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, it is a privilege to meet in the manner that we are meeting. Uh, just a quick announcement. Sunday we are back in church. And then we'll advise from tomorrow in terms of the protocol that must be followed for the coming Sunday service. Uh, but we appreciate everything. We are looking forward to seeing you in person. It has been a while, but we are certainly uh, looking forward. Now, without waste of time, I want to speak on a, on a subject. Others, others left. Others left. Why do we remain? Others left. Why do we remain? Before we get to the Let's bow our heads. A gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you once again for the opportunity that you have granted for us to meet in this manner. May you bless the ringing of the weight. May you bless the believers, dear God, undertake for them as we commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Much appreciated. Let's just get to the reading of the word. Now, in the book of Job, or in the book of John, rather, in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 66 to 69, John, the sixth chapter, the 66th verse until the 69th verse, it reads in this manner. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, 
will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the weight of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Hence, my text or my subject is others left. Why do we remain? As the Bible says from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That is why I just want to take this minute and reflect uh, because the scripture, Brother Brenham has told us that every prophet uh, had what we would call the three pulls. The first pull, which was divine healing. The second pull, which was the discernment. And the third pull, which was the fullness, the fullness of the weight. Now, when the ministry is about to transition from the second pull to the third pull, a lot of people uh, went back. As it was with the ministry of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ministry had the three pulls. The first pull, he was a popular man. The second pull, he was still a popular man. But when it came to the third pull, where he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are not worthy of me. Many, many left him, and a few remained with him. It is always being a case, the same with the ministry of Brother Brenham. If you want to check, go and read in the spoken word the present stage of my ministry. Now, Brother Brenham, in this spoken way, to the unveiling of God, the unveiling of God, paragraph 22. He was speaking on the unveiling of God. He says, now my subject this morning, I trust that God will reveal this. And each time, if you who take the tapes and listen, and I hope and trust that you have had a spiritual understanding of what that God has been trying to get over to the church without saying it right out. See, it's a thing. Sometimes we have to say things in such a way that it might thin down. It might bring some to go out, some to leave, and some to ponder over. But that's done purposely. It must be done that way. The prophet of God here tells us that the Holy Spirit has been, or God, has been trying to get something over to the church without saying it, it right out, without being explicit. Now, then he says there are sometimes certain things are said in a certain way so that it might lead to the thinning down or it might bring some to go out, some to leave, some to ponder. And he says it is done purposely. It must be done that way. And we know that in the ministry of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, it was done in exactly the same way when he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, it was said purposefully. And the reason being that it, and it resulted in the thinning down 
where some left and some pondered, but we want to say others left. Why do we remain? And here there are instances where I'm going to speak for myself. And as I speak for myself, you will speak on your reflections as well. Now, the reality of the matter is some will go. Some will come, some will go. It is the ministry. That is how the ministry is all about, especially in the end time. Now, Brother Brenham says in this message, the three kinds of believers. Paragraph 185, he says, and this message of the hour that we are now enjoying, I am enjoying the message of the hour, that we are now enjoying the presence of God. The message of the hour, it is the presence of God. And it says the latter day, the evening time when the lights are shining and the things that's being opened up and the way it vindicated and proved it to be the truth, both prophesied comes to pass all through scientific and everything proved that it is Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. And a man walk out on that. He is an unbeliever. He is beyond hopes. He is numbed by the power of Satan. So there is no hopes for him. He is beyond hopes. I hope you get it. Brother Brim says, as soon as the man leaves the message of the hour that we are now enjoying, which is the presence of God, which is the vindicated weight, which is the proven truth, both spiritually and as well vindicated scientifically, and it has proven that this message is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If a man walks out on that, he is an unbeliever. He is beyond hopes. He is numbed by the power of Satan, so there is no hopes for him. He is beyond hopes. Now, we've seen those instances, and we'll get into why do we remain. Others have given uh, zillions of reasons why they have left, but we want to advance our case. Why are we remaining with the message of the hour when others have left? And I think Peter, in, his, in this instance, he gave his uh, reason. He says, Peter answered, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the weight of eternal life. Peter had found the GPS of the weight of eternal life, and the GPS was the Lord Jesus Christ, and said, where can we go? Uh, because in thee are the weights of eternal life. Now, as well, we want to say, as people are being numbed by the power of Satan, and as people are becoming hopeless and are beyond hope, why do we remain with the message of the hour? Now, in the same message, three kinds of believers, he continues paragraph 186, he says, there was Peter and the rest of the apostles, believers. There was the 70 unbelievers. And there was Judas hung right on. He was a make-believer. What do they do? This is the kind that holds on until they can find something, a fault in it. They are looking every time to find 
a loophole. See how it's done. See if it's a trick. If it's a gimmick, they are waiting to be sold out. They are looking for that. The unbeliever, he don't even wait around. He's condemned it and walked out. The believer, no matter what happens, he believes it. Anyhow, for is the weight. There is your three classes. Brahman spoken has spoken about three kinds of believers many a times. And he says, Peter and the rest of the apostles who were believers, and there was Judas. He was just hanging around and looking for the loophole, looking for an excuse, looking for an exit point. But he says the believer, no matter what happens, he believes it anyhow, for is the way. Now, we are, um, I'm simply saying <laughs> others have left. Why do we remain? Firstly, I want to advance this because we are believers. We are not church members. We are more than church members. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. That is why as others leave and as others left the Lord Jesus Christ, the likes of Peter and the rest of the apostles remained with him. As others leave the weight that has been revealed in the end time, some will remain with the weight that has been revealed in the end time. Why? Because indeed they are believers and they believe in it no matter what comes or goes. Now, now, we want to bring it to our time. Now, I'm, I am personally a reader. I have read many books. I have what people would call intellectual curiosity. I'm always curious about many things and many subjects. Now, the message, the reason, no matter what happens, the reason I would never leave the message of the hour, the reason I would never leave the revealed to wait in the end time, it is because in my research and in my analysis of many things around the world, of many literature, of many great men that have walked on this earth, I have never in the end time ever had any clarity on the following subjects except through the message of the hour. Marriage and divorce is one of the subjects that William Brenham has clearly articulated and you can see that there is a scriptural pattern in how he has articulated this subject. No way have I found anyone being very articulate in balancing elements around marriage and divorce. I've read many literatures. Uh, I've read many books. I've never come across anyone that was as articulate as William Brenham on the Godhead. I've read, I've never found anyone that was able to show a picture beyond controversy as to what transpired in the Garden of Eden and how he spoke on the serpent seed. I have never had anyone, especially in the end time, who managed to come and put the biblical church order as it was during the time of the apostles, the way William Brenham did. 
I've never had anyone preach predestination the way William Brenham did. I mean, a phrase that let us travel hundreds of billions of years ago at the back part of the mind of God. Such a phrase I've never been exposed to from to anyone uh, as far as the books that have come across. No one has ever taken the subject to the seven seals and really brought them in the manner that William Brenham has brought them out. Now, I believe in the law of substitution. If somebody says this is not the right way, then you've got to present what you deem to be the right way. Because if you just criticize the route that people have taken, but you do not present an alternative and you don't allow your alternative to be subjected to the same scrutiny that you are subjecting the route that people have preferred to take, then you are a charlatan. And as a result, you should not be hurt. Now, if somebody says the message of the hour is not the truth, then they need to advance what is the truth so that we can put their truth under the microscope of the weight and check what what they advance. What does it say in relation to these subjects that I have mentioned here? So as a result, I have never seen anyone as articulate as William Brenham on the scriptures, especially when it comes to these subjects. Now, we are going to expound on that. Now, maybe we need to give a background because some people, when we say we have been around <laughs> uh, and we don't want, we, we will not leave, some people think that maybe we just arrived yesterday and we are naive in what we believe in. I think we've got, some of us, we've got track record with this message of the hour And when we say we don't live, it's because we have stayed longer, we have assessed and looked and looked and looked and have come to a conclusion that there is no better option except what we have believed in. And we don't say that because we happen to to believe in this. We have subjected this to scrutiny. We have listened to the critics, we have went back to the message, went back to the Bible, and we have come to the conclusion that people that have left, they have left because they could not meet the standard of holiness that is demanded by the message of the hour. I always say, whenever you find people having an issue with Brother Brenham, check them on two things. If it, if it is a woman... Often you'll find that there's always an issue of conduct. She has failed to adhere to the conduct that the message requires from sisters. And when you find that it is a man, a lot of times check him on marriage and divorce. Either there is, there is issues there. It has always been the case. Marriage and divorce gives problem to the male species. Uh, conduct gives a problem to the female species. So that is why we want to look into these things. Now, just uh, this is my, my timeline. I came across the message in 1989. It was when the message was introduced to our family. I was still very young. So I've known the message for 31 years. I got baptized in 1993 
I've been in the message for 27 years. I started preaching in 1994. I've been preaching the message for 26 years. I got married in 2004. I've been married for 16 years. I was ordained as a pastor in 2008. I've been pastoring for 12 years. This is just a synopsis of my track record as far as the message is concerned so that when I speak for myself, somebody should understand where I come from. Now, we don't believe in the message because we are naive. We believe in the message because we are predestinated. We don't believe in the message because we are ignorant. We believe the message because we have tested the message and given the message the way to test. Now, uh, I was baptized in a village called, uh, I don't know whether we, do they call it Munyebodi uh, or Mungalo, but it was in a village. And there is a reason why I'm giving this picture here. It connects, it ties up with what I want to submit to you as a irrefutable proof of why we will not follow others that have left. We are going to be into this for a long haul. Now, when you look there, it looks like the jungle. It was in 1993 during the Easter meetings. That's when I took the decision to be baptized. Now, here's the reason why I presented that picture influence. So where I was baptized, it was the fulfillment of the words of William Brenham that he spoke in 1964, and to me they were fulfilled in 1993. In the message influence, paragraph 244, it says, all this on tape, Lord, that listen to the voice of this time, many, many different languages, even be translated May they understand. May men and women in little houses, out in little jungles in Africa, as I say, I was baptized in what one would call uh, the jungles of Africa, in a little jungles in Africa, with those little machines with the tubes in their ears. May they hear, Lord, uh, hear grandity. Now, Brother Burnham, he's looking down the line. He sees the message being translated in different languages. He sees the message being preached in the jungles of Africa. He sees the message being believed in the jungles of Africa. He sees men and women with little machines with their chips in their ears down the line. And this is referring to your earphones. Brother Brenham, a lot of times because he said certain things before they became popular or before they became readily available, I mean, earphone in 1964, how would you have known that earphones would be available in the jungles of Africa? It had to take a prophetic uh, 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 foresight to see those things. Now, has this been fulfilled? Yes, it has been fulfilled. I was baptized in Africa, in the jungles of Africa. It has been fulfilled. Are we listening to the message through our tubes? Oh, let's, we, we need to find out. Now, very interesting, is there a picture of a man that received the Agapo tablet, which is the tablet loaded with the message of the hour from Voice of God recording. This man is out in the jungles of Africa. He is out there in the woods. Now he has got the little, uh, the machine. Oh, brother, let me go back to this quotation. 
those little machines with the tubes in their ears. Now, here is a tablet that was foreseen by William Brenham. And here is a man with his earphones listening to the message of the hour right in the jungles of Africa. How would you have predicted this? Remember, this was 1964. Even America during that time did not have uh, computers because when Bill Gates spoke in 1983-1984, when he said the computer will be like a bicycle of the 21st century. It will be available in every American home. People looked at Bill Gates and said, ah, he has lost his mind. There is no way that computers are going to be readily available. But uh, here, before Bill Gates, 1964, a grade 7 dropout tells you that in Africa, right in the jungles, the message will be translated in different languages and people will have machines. And from those machines, they will connect into their ears little tubes, goodness, and they will hear the message of the hour. It has been fulfilled, folks. Now, if it has come to pass, if you watch, watch what the man says. If he says it and it comes to pass, that is the prophet of God. Now, that is why as others have left, why do we remain? We begin to see these things coming to pass. And I'm going to speak uh, particularly within the African context that we are not going to leave the message of the hour. It is difficult. I don't know about other continents, but it is really difficult for an African to leave the message of the hour. And I will explain why is it difficult to backslide on the African continent. And while I read, maybe we'd much better say this for the sake of other people. The message has found more success on this continent than any other continent. And there is a reason why it is in that manner. We have more message believers on the continent than any other continent. And for that, we want to thank God. And you may not understand. You may be sitting there. Maybe you are in another country and say, what is he talking about? Is he breaking? Our continent is the continent that suffered the most. You look at the disease. You look at uh, all the uh, 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 pandemics. You look at the things that have taken place, diseases, wars, uh, political instability, uh, poor economic conditions. All of them have become synonymous with this continent. But the only thing that we have found, which made us to believe that we found favor with the Lord, was the message of the hour. And right now, even with the coronavirus, many people, I mean, it hit Italy, it was catastrophic. It hit uh, England and or Britain, it was catastrophic. It hit America, it was catastrophic. And everybody said, if it is catastrophic in first world countries, what is going to happen when it reaches the continent, which majority of countries are third world countries, developing countries because of poor health systems. But look at the, the fatality rates are low. Why are they low? I believe we have prayed. We said, God, be merciful. We have no other option except to say and call upon the name of the Lord. And for that, we want to thank God for intervening as far as COVID-19 is concerned on our continent. Now, those that have left, the reason we remain 
There is a young girl by the name of Florence, Miss Nightingale. Miss Nightingale had a stomach cancer, and you look at the picture where she looked very thin. Cancer had ravaged her body, and somewhat the friends organized that she must be flown to Britain that time, and she flew to England, and that's where she met William Brenham. And Brother Brennan prayed for this woman. So we've got the before and after picture. Now, my question for those that would want to dispute the message of the hour, here is my question. In whose power, in whose power was Miss Nightingale healed? Whose power healed Miss Nightingale? Is it the power of Satan? Or is it the power of God? If it is the power of God, I'm not talking about the modern day gimmicks where miracles are staged and people are being paid behind the scene to stage miracles and because of their acting skills, they wow the audience. This I'm speaking about a medical case that was proven during that time. She was a South African flown to England and met with the Brenham team, and they prayed for her, and she got completely healed. In whose power did this woman get healed? I believe it was in the power of the Almighty God. That power, why did God allow such power to be associated with this message? Is because God is behind this message. We are not living because we believe God is behind this message. Now, we've got a congressman, William David Upshaw. This was a congressman that had been crippled for 66 years. And later he went to the Brenham meetings. And when he got there, Brother Brenham prayed for him. And as a result, from that time, the man was completely delivered. And I have got a question. In whose power was William David Upshaw healed? Now, the people that would want to go into history and misrepresent and quote things out of context, we've got the testimony of William David Upshaw verbatim where he wrote and gave a testimony of the God of William Maron Brenham that made him to be healed and walk out of that wheelchair After 66 years, it could not be anyone else. It was the power of God. And it was, according to the commission, when it was said to William Brenham, you will pray for the kings. You will pray for great men. One of them was William David Upshaw. And we know another one was the king of England. Brother Brenham, whatever the angel promised, Brother Brenham came to pass to the dot. So whose power healed William David Upshaw? I believe it was the power of the Almighty God. And that power is associated with the message of the hour. Hence, as others have left, we will not leave because we see the power behind the message of the hour. Brother Brenham came to Africa. Another thing, here we need to speak a bit. I say Africa... It is like the black child of the world. And here is something very interesting. Any other revival that started elsewhere, by the time it came to our shores, it was already corrupted by men. 
and many had corrupted uh, revivals to use those revivals for their own malicious intention. But the message of the hour, it is the first revival that ever reached the African shores without being corrupted by any other power. And William Brennan made a personal commitment that I will take this message to the peoples of Africa. And has it been fulfilled? I am from Africa. I'm part of those people. I've received the message of the hour. It has been fulfilled. Brother Bram says in the message, the third Exodus, paragraph 32, he says, who could ever outsing a colored choir? Where could you find voices? I've seen them come from the lands back there, didn't know which, a right and a left hand. 30 or 40 different tribes of them and they sing to a place. The master stand there and say, I just can't touch it. He trained choirs, the choirs for years. And one will be octave high and low and everything. And said, listen to that. Just perfectly, even in different language, they are gifted. Brother Brenham came to us as we were singing in different languages. And I believe the theme of the song, two of those meetings, it was only believed, sung in different languages. And Brother Ron say, these people are gifted. And we're going to get into what we are talking about here. Now, this is an American prophet. Right in the 50s, where there was an outbreak of tuberculosis, right when there was an outbreak of malaria, right where Africans were ravaged by diseases, right where there were racial divisions. Here comes a white man from America, an American prophet, hallelujah, American in a sense of geography, but we know that he was not an American prophet. He comes on our show. He shocks the system. The government looks at this man. He goes, insists on preaching to mixed audience. He wants the Indians, the colors, the whites together in one place so that he can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It had never been heard before. Here is a man that comes among the Africans. He holds them. He hugs them. He prays for them. We have never seen such a love. We have had missionaries, but we have never seen such a display of divine love for a man to love us in this man, in this manner. It showed that it was none other than the Almighty God. This was a prophet, it was angelic visitation. The meetings in Durban, South Africa, were attended by, in record, when they tally, Brother Moon speaks about 200,000, and it says in some instances it was 45,000 at a time. Hospitals were being emptied out, and nurses and doctors and specialists who had given up on patients were now referring the patients to the racetrack in, in, in Durban and say there, there is the power of God that will deliver you. That power, God allowed that power to associate with this message of the hour. And that power has never left this message of the hour even today. Now, Brother Brenham says in the message, question and answers, paragraph 179, he says the seeds will go in newspapers, reading material, until every predestinated seed of God has had it. 
He speaks about the spoken words. Brother, we have heard of instances where a spoken word was given. And as the spoken word was given, and somebody did not see the value and just tore that spoken word apart. But we've heard of instances where a brother came across a torn spoken word and began to read a few pages that were remaining intact. And through that, God brought them into the message of the hour. People like Brother Ed Biscal sponsored a radio station during that time here in South Africa that we used to cover Sedek region. And they used to play the messages of Brother Branham. We know brothers that had the message on radio and decided right there that they must come in. We've heard of instances where a person will be reading the spoken word in a taxi. And because during that time they would have a picture of the eagle. And somebody will say, hang on, what is in that book? I dreamt about that book. Give me that book. There are many ways that God called the seed in. Brother Ben said the seeds will go into newspapers, reading material, meaning booklets, until every predestinated seed of God has had it. None of them will come unless the Father has drawn to them. And everyone the Father has drawn, drawn will hear it and come. That will be the predestinated seed will hear the word of God. Brother, have we heard it? Yes, we have heard it. We have responded to that call. And as others leave, we can't live because there is a tie post to the message of the hour. Hmm. I want to speak about my personal experience. I've been young, as I've shown you, grew up in the message, became a boy preacher. It was a year that somewhat I had challenges. As a young person, you would come across the times where you have challenges where the devil is just uh, giving you a flood of negative thoughts about the message where he's making you doubt and say, uh, they, yes, maybe it is true, but you, have you been called? Uh, well, many questions, mind battles that were triggered by Satan. I remember during that year, I accompanied my friend, this was a church in Pretoria. It's a Dutch Reformed church in Hegrek. I accompanied my friend there. It was a, they were preparing for the youth day. And they had opted that on the youth day, the leadership had opted that on that day, the service will be conducted by young people. I went there, they were going to be, I think there would be a play and they were going to sing. There were quite a lot of activities, and I went there because he was rehearsing. Now, as they were rehearsing, a gentleman that was tasked of overseeing the program on that day, as he was taking off what needed to be prepared and had everything, his ducks in the row, then he paused and said, but there is something missing. We don't have a young person that is going to preach on us on Sunday. Yes, we have prepared a play. Yes, we have prepared the singing, but there is no preacher. We need a young person because it's going to be a youth service. I'm not much of a singer. I'm just aspiring to, I want to sing. I love singing, but I'm not gifted in that department. So I was not participating in the rehearsal. And I mean, I couldn't participate because I wasn't a member of the church. I just 
accompanied my friend who I've known from high school and we're in tertiary together. He was my flatmate. <laughs> now, my friend turned around and looked at me and looked at the program, uh, the guy that was responsible for the program and looked at me and looked at the guy and said, he's a preacher. He will preach for us. I think it was on it was on Saturday because they were doing final touch-ups, or it was on Friday rather. Then it says, "No, on Sunday he will preach for us." Then I said, "Gentlemen, I can't preach for you." That man insisted and said, "Look, you're gonna preach for us." Right there, I accepted. I said, "Okay, fine. I'll try to see what can I do." Imagine, I'm a young man. I'm having battles. Uh, and right there, I'm selected that, yes, you are going to preach for us. I remember I went back to the flats, and I was wondering what I was going to preach about. And there was a spoken word that I was busy with. It was perseverance. And I, I read the spoken word. I read the spoken word. Then I said, no, I will go and preach on perseverance. Now, on Sunday morning, when I walked in that day, I'm just a boy preacher. This is the first time I'm preaching in a denomination. It's not even a Pentecostal church. It's an enche, cold, formal, and indifferent. Walked in there, and you can see the hall. It was full to capacity, full to capacity, only to discover that they now even have visitors from Europe. So it was full to the brim. And preliminaries took place, and later, as a boy preacher was called onto the pulpit, I went to the pulpit, and I preached on perseverance, and I gave a few analogies to demonstrate perseverance, and I looked and I showed how people can take certain things for granted, and I, I made a lot of examples from the Bible, from the, the prophet, some of the analogies that I gave goodness. A church that I, I've known to be formal, a church that I've known to be statue, a church that I've known to be indifferent, right there, the Spirit of God engulfed that area. It sounded like we were in a revival, a Pentecostal revival meeting. I had an amen corner. It was amazing. And immediately after the service, and obviously we're greeting outside, and people were coming. I mean, I'm speaking about old people coming to me and say, young man, what you have preached today, it is of substance. Oh, my I remember a certain Indian old woman came to me and came to me and said, young man, even our preacher, even our pastors can learn a thing from you. I hope they have learned something from you. Now, I'm just a boy. Now, right there, it dawned on me. Of what I preached there, it was the simplicity of the message. I had not preached about the sins. I had not preached about God here. I just concentrated on a very simple message. But the way they took a bite and enjoyed the bite and told me how this is solid, how they have enjoyed, then it proved to me that 
if such a simple subject could do such and make and cause a revival in an Enchiker, this message, behind this message, there is a power. I, I could have been undermined. I remember I was not even dressed in a suit on that specific day. But somewhat the respect that I had, and I realized they were not respecting me because I'm just a boy. They were respecting the God that I was speaking about. Whose God? The God of Elijah. The God of William Brenham. The God of Malakafo. From that time, no Satan will ever challenge me and tell me there isn't power in this message. There is power. I've seen this message moving in an enchaker and the Holy Spirit falling there. And you can never convince me otherwise. As others leave, some of us, we have personal testimonies about this message of the hour. Hence, we will never take this message for granted. Now, in the message, it is the rising of the sun, paragraph 350. He says, you, you all know where I'm going, don't you know? Africa. I've called for a long time, for years I've tried to get back. Now a vision in the spirit of the Lord has prepared the way they said, when those poor natives heard it, that I didn't come the last time when I was there, they laid on the ground day and night and mourned and cried, saying, Lord, what have we done? Thousands of them. Those people don't even believe the God has soul. See, they cried and mourned and they cried. Brother Brenham here speaks about our grandfathers. Brother Brenham speaks about our grandmothers that were expecting him to come and return to Africa, but his, his visa was restricted. But the vision said he would return. And I've said many a times, people say the vision was never fulfilled. David said they have pierced my hands. David's vision was never fulfilled in his time. David's hands were never pierced. But the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ were pierced to show that it was not David speaking, but it was the Lord Jesus Christ speaking through David. And today when brother will say, I will return to Africa, it was not the Kentuckian man that was coming back. It was he that was in the Kentuckian man. And the message has returned back to Africa. And the grandsons and the granddaughters of those men and women that were mourning and say, Lord, what have we done? Because they couldn't understand. This is the best thing. They had no medical aid. They had no access to doctor. Here is a man with one prayer. 30,000 were delivered. And when they heard that he's not coming back, they were crying and they moaned and they rolled on the floor the whole night. And Brahm said, use the way. They were saying, Lord, what have we done? And when you understand the history of this country in the 50s, there used to be a song that was sung by people whenever Africans were disappointed, they would break into that song. And that song is called Sinzinina. Now, this song, Sinzinina, meaning what have we done? It is a South African anti-apartheid folk song, the Kosa and Zulu language song, which was commonly sung at funerals, demonstrations, and in churches. Artists compared to the influence of Senzeni to that of American song, We Shall Overcome. 
The song has been around at least since the 1950s. And it reached the height of its popularity during the 80s. The origins of the song aren't clear. When the prophet was scheduled to come, and Africans hated that he wasn't coming, and they were disappointed, then they broke into this song. Sins in what have, what have we done to be denied a privilege to be ministered to by a true servant, a man sent from God? And what our forefathers and our foremothers desired in 2020, we have accepted that. The message has returned back, not in a human form, but in the weight form, and is being, being ministered once again on our pulpit. We cherish this message on this continent. We cherish this message here because of the love that William Brenham has shown to us. Are we going to leave as others left? I beg to differ. We are here to remain until the rapture. Now, I just want to bring a few things before I close. I want to look, look at uh, how Brother Brenham conducted the meetings. I look at people that impersonate William Marion Brenham today with women rolling on the floor, with their underneath garments showed, with audience being entertained and people laughing at the top of their voices, with a minister there pretending to perform a gift of discernment because he had met the people and he's staging it. Yes, men that are pretending to be William Brenham and calling people out in the audience pretending to be William. And some of them have got the audacity to call William Brenham their spiritual father. They are charlatans. These are false prophets. But you look at their meetings, you compare their meetings with the meetings of William Brennan, you realize that these people lack sincerity. But let us look at the meetings when William Brennan ministered, and you can sense the sincerity. You can sense the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, and he, he, people are being brought to him. He had never met those people that were strangers to him not unlike these ones that meet people privately and jot down like the TB Joshua's of this work, like the Ubed angels of this world, where they memorize the people and later they come and check. None of the false prophets in the end time ever calls out sin. But William Brenham was able to call out sin. The prophets in the end time, it's all about your business will travel. You will get promotion. You will get a house. These are not prophets. These are motivational speakers. And whenever they are tempted to be prophets, they are just fortune tellers. But let's, see, let's look at the gift in operation under sincerity. My heart of faith bank in the building. It looks what's real milky out over the building. You are certainly in the spirit of the Lord now. Anything could happen. How do you do, lady? Do you believe me to be God's prophet? It's, I mean, well, a prophet is a preacher. 
You don't expect me to be of the enemy. You expect me to be of God. Is that the way you accept it? Well, then I can help you. For he told me if I would get the people to believe me and be sincere when I prayed, that nothing would stand before the prayer. And now it isn't the I that helps, it's God that does the healing. I questioned, I said, they won't believe me. He said, there'll be two signs given to you, as was to the prophet Moses. In this, the people will believe. And one of them was to reveal the secrets of the hearts of the people to them. Now, you're not here for yourself, although you're nervous and run down, but it's been caused by a disease of this child. This child here is suffering. It's been turned down with the doctors to die. It's leukemia. Isn't that right? You brought the child from out of town. You've traveled, coming from the west, coming east, you have come. You've come from a, a state that has mountains. It's Pennsylvania. And your city, I believe it's Chambersburg. Isn't that right? Bring the child to me. Little sister, dear, the Lord Jesus was here. He'd lay his hands up on you, and death would leave you, and you'd live. Do you believe that I am his servant? Then in his stead I lay my hands on this child and bless it and ask that the demon leaves the child and that life comes to the child and it will live and be well. Come out of the child, Satan, by the authority of God's Bible with the divine gift ministered by an angel, I adjure thee to leave the child. Come from it. God bless you, the little girl with tremendous faith. Be well. God bless you, honey. Go ahead. Look at the sincerity. Look at the order. Look at the atmosphere. A man sent from God. No entertainment. Go. Jesus, brother says Jesus is not a showman. And he doesn't do showmanship. Now, brethren, will we leave the message of the hour? Certainly not. As others have left, we have no intention to leave. We will remain in our post of duty until we are taken by the rapture. Everything that Brother Brennan prophesied has come to pass. Why won't we leave this message is because we have tried so many things and none of the things that we have tried ever produced the quality of holiness that this message of the hour has produced. Like the 70 left, but Peter said to him, where shall we go? Because the ways of eternal life are with thee. As others have left, why are we not leaving? is because we are feeding on this message, which is the Son of Man in the way to form. Folks, we have looked at the Mahumen, or the, 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 the Muslim. We have looked at the denominations. We have looked everything. There's never been anything that has produced this message, this product that has been produced by the message of the hour. The quality of our families. I mean those that have fully yielded themselves to the message of the hour. 
the atmosphere in our churches. The level of commitment that we have always wanting to say we want to do things right. And the ability to repent when we have wronged to God, it can only come through the message of the hour. This message has given us the position in the body of Christ. This message has told us who we are, not from childbirth, but before the foundation of the world. The prophet says, right before there was ever an atom or molecule, God took your picture. And he took your picture and put it in go in his album. And says no matter what you go through, God keeps on looking at your picture. Now if there is a picture of me in God's album, there is nothing that will remove me from the message of the hour. This message is not a new doctrine. This message is not just a new movement. This is the revealed weight in the end time. What does it need for us to surrender to it? As others have left for various reasons, the reason the 70 left is because Jesus said, unless you drink, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are unworthy of me. Brother Bram say it buckled to their mind. I don't know why Peter remained. I don't know whether Peter had a revelation of what Jesus was talking about. I don't believe Peter understood what has been spoken about. But Peter was convinced that although I don't understand, but I'm not going anywhere, I'll stay here until he reveals what he has said to the rest, to us. There may be certain things that we may not understand in the message, but we remain. And some of us, we came into the message, there were certain things that we didn't understand. But when we remained and became sincere and yielded ourselves, in no time God revealed to those things as to what he, Brother Brenham, meant. Brethren, my brother, my sister, I know the yardstick, the message of the hour is a yardstick. If my brother backslides, I remain standing. If my pastor backslides, I remain standing. If my bishop, if my whoever, evangelist backslides, we remain standing because the only yardstick that we have in the end time, it is the message of the hour. And this message, it is mistakes proof. Tell me, folks, anything that you can judge, judge it on the results that it produces. When I look at the results that this message has produced, I'm persuaded, folks, that there is no better option except this message of the hour. We will stand with what the brother Branham said until we are taken home. He was vindicated. The message is vindicated. Pillar of fire returned. After 2,000 years, it was visible and even captured by FBI to confirm that this message is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The message is not a, Bible, a doctrine outside the Bible. The message is the very Bible in a revealed form. We are not going to go anyway. We will remain with Malakafo as I invite you to pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you. We appreciate you for the time that you have granted us. We appreciate you that in the end time you sent a prophet and sent a message. And this message has given us the clarity of who we are and the clarity of where we are and the clarity of where we come from and where we are going. 
We've tried many things, but they never gave us that clarity. But this message has given us that clarity. We pray for believers, dear God. We pray for our young one. Satan has gone on the offensive to try to attack the message of the hour. But it is something beautiful. He has no alternative. The critics have no alternative. No one has no old, any alternative because when you send your own provided way, there is never an alternative to your own provided way. We thank you for everything as we commit every brother and commit every sister and commit every family to you. Satan is hard at work. He wants to destroy families. He wants to destroy lives. But Satan, you are a liar. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ and we set men and women free. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things believing. Amen. God bless you richly. Others have left, but we remain. Why do we remain? We are persuaded that this is nothing but the truth. As Sister Haiti once said, just make sure you say the right thing. God bless you till we see you on Sunday in church. God bless you.